Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama also airing on Facebook on ESPN 106.7, Fox Sports Central Alabama and Radio Alabama Sports Facebook pages. Levi out today, and we've got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on with us for the full two hours. Skyping in. Jeremy, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, Noah. The modern technology allows us to do this. A lot of sports news, a lot of things going down, people in the transfer portal. A lot on that Auburn recruiting trail right now. I'm looking forward to uh, to getting into all of it over the next two hours. No, I must add that uh, you're cutting into my off season half day Fridays I'm usually off by about one but I will stick around to do the show (laughs) well I'm pumped to have you on man this is reliving the glory days of on the line back to when we were a once a week podcast I'm happy to have you back man and I still need to make the trip up to Silicaga we need to be in the same room for once other than just hopping on Warzone in the evenings playing some video games or also just being here on the line through Skype but you mentioned the Auburn recruiting trail. Auburn today lands Southeast Missouri State transfer by Darius Knighton, a safety slash nickelback, and after losing Chris Thompson Jr. to the transfer portal, and then ultimately the USC Trojans. This is a good get for Auburn for depth purposes in the defensive backfield. Yeah, I'd agree uh, for depth purposes. Um, and then Auburn also has some key targets left out there in the transfer portal. Listen, they've had four or five guys leave the program over the last two, one or two months. So they're going to have to go into the portal to build some much needed depth. Uh, I think they're added, adding depth in probably their most uh, deep position on defense. As far as DBs go, they're going to need it across the defensive line. They're pretty good at linebacker, but it doesn't matter to me, you know, how good this this Auburn defensive backfield is they're going to need some pass rushers. They're going to need some guys to clog up the middle. And I'm not sure the UAB guys are one to do that, but if these Auburn DBs can cover for six or seven seconds, I think they're going to look really good. I think they have a lot of depth back there as well as at linebacker. So Derek Mason, he's going to have a pretty good pass defense. Let's see how they keep going here in the portal, but no, let's, let's open this thing up to the fans today. Let's, let's call this a, a free-for-all Friday. Let's just open up the phone lines in most of the segments outside of the 230-245 block that uh, Zach Black will, Zach Black will, be, will be on from Locked On Auburn. Let's open it up to the fans. Let's have a fun Friday show. I'm here for that. Anything anybody wants to talk about, 334-321-1390, that's how you call in. Once again, 334-321-1390, whatever is on your mind. I'll be taking your calls here in the studio, and already we got a caller. So, Jeremy, while I step away to take the call, you, uh, you you take it away. Some other topics happening around the SEC right now. Yeah, we've already talked a little bit about uh, by Darius Knight and Auburn. Listen, they're going to fill it up in the transfer portal. Um, and, and college football, as much as this used to be a sleepy time, I think that now more than ever, this is going to be a busy, busy time of year. Usually you, you end spring practice. You're trying to go into a very quiet offseason. Well, now, Noah, as you're taking this call, that's all eliminated. There's guys moving left and right. Ed Orgeron was speaking somewhere earlier today talking about 
how this affects the overall offseason, how it affects you going into fall camp. He's got a guy leaving in TJ Finley, who a lot of people think uh, could be transferring into Auburn and competing with Bo Nix in the very near future. I I think this is this offseason may be the most fun offseason that uh, that we've had in a very, very long time. Let's head to the phone lines now. We've got Matt on the line with us, already a caller. Matt, how you doing today on this great Friday? Doing good, guys. Um, just curious on what you think about. Uh, I have two things I want to talk about. First, um, Ed Orgeron, do you, do you, would you compare him to um, Jerick in his time at LSU having a outstanding uh, success in one season and then he he got a new he, he like restarted from scratch in his coaching staff this upcoming year so I don't know how that will work out but it seems like they're not set up for sustained success at LSU I would agree with that my big thing about Ed Orzron and I've been saying this for going into this past season actually because I was I was pegging that game against Mississippi State as an upset loss to open up the 2020 season I have been talking about the impending doom of the LSU program since they won that national championship and we saw a mass exodus of players I don't think that he's got that much longer especially with all the things swirling around the program with all these extra issues off the field Mm, on top of that the quarterback room Levi said this a lot of times if you've got two quarterbacks you have no quarterbacks well right now they have three or four quarterbacks so that tells me they've got no quarterbacks I just didn't feel like anybody took ownership of the position at the end of spring I'm not super high up on LSU going into this year I still think they're a bowl team but we've seen in the past bowl teams aren't enough just to get a coach by in Baton Rouge. I wonder, with all this extra stuff going on, and there may be still some troubles on the offensive side of the football, how long can Ed Orgeron last in Baton Rouge? I give it two years tops. Hey, and Matt, I would say the maybe the worst thing that happened to LSU, now this is going to be a stretch, is that they won the national title, so they move on for, from Les Miles. They get Ed Orgeron in there. He wins a fluky national. Now, a great team. I think that was probably the the not as fluky as it was just a one-time flash in the pan, lightning in a bottle, national title with a guy out of nowhere like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, left and right, Jefferson, Moss, all those guys. But then they have to pay him. So what can they do with Ed Orgeron now? Because, listen, they've already been threatened by the governor for state funds to be pulled when Les Miles' buyout was so high. I'm not sure they can do anything with Ed Orgeron. Like I think that he is securely in at least probably counting this year three more years because what can they do with him they gave him the contract extension it's been all downhill since they beat Clemson in the college football playoff national title game it's truly a mess at LSU now they're always going to have talent but are we all crazy if you bought into Ed Orgeron being a great coach you have not watched enough college football over the last 15 years yeah so my uh, second thing is uh, speaking of coaches um Noah, you did the, uh, the the Auburn High game on the radio yesterday. What did you think about them? And um, I saw uh, Coach Harson um, swing it around a little bit. That's right. Coach Harson was there, and I, I thought Auburn looked good. It was a slow first half for Auburn High School yesterday. They took a 14-7 to deficit into halftime against Ufala. And, uh, Matt, thank you for calling in as he's just dropped off the phone line. Auburn, once again, took a 14-7 to deficit into the half against Ufala, but the second half was all Auburn. 28 unanswered points, ended up winning the spring game 35-14. to You got to see some different guys at quarterback. Clyde Pittman got the start for the Tigers. He ended up throwing three touchdown passes. Now coming in to replace 
the quarterback that took him to a state championship last year, Matthew Caldwell, and Pittman came in there and showcased his athleticism, able to move in and around the pocket, also outside the pocket. We saw a Nick Marshall to Sammy Coates-like touchdown pass off of a read option action. I thought we saw a lot of good things out of Pittman last night. You also got to see Davis Harson at quarterback, and I'll tell you this. He's an underclassman, but the guy can spin it. I thought he really looked the part at quarterback, and of course, you like to see the you like to see the Auburn head coach Brian Harson there to support his son alongside his family as well out there on those sidelines and and into the stands, getting to see his son playing that spring game against you. Follow. I was super impressed with what I saw out of Davis Harson. He looked the part at quarterback. I liked his footwork. He throws the ball with a lot of zip. I was impressed. And, of course, the Auburn defense looks as good as always, led by 7A assistant coach of the year, Scott Goolsby. So there was a lot to like about that spring game yesterday. I had a blast calling it, too. And that was Matt on the line with this. Anybody else that wants to call in, once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390. We're doing a free-for-all Friday, so anything that's on your mind, we'll talk about it. Once again, 334-321-1390. Yeah, Jeremy, spring games in action. Excellent football yesterday, getting to watch Auburn take on Ufala. What's Sylacauga got going on? Yeah, next week they'll actually renew the Marble City Classic, so Sylacauga and Comer will battle it out, which is which is a big deal up in our neck of the woods. Uh, which uh, really sh- it should be a fun one. I, and, and, and listen, BB Comer's a good football team. They're back-to-back years in the playoffs. They've won a couple playoff games. They're they bumped down to two A, but man, they're they're really good. So that that should be exciting up here in the Sylacauga, South Talladega County area. But no, as we continue to look at this by Darius Knighton commitment. And this Auburn defense overall, I mean, Derek Mason, he's working with what he has, right? This is what was on the roster. You know, in 2021, when you get a coaching change, especially a whole new staff like Auburn has had, you're going to have guys transfer out. I think Derek Mason's doing a pretty good job of getting his hands on what he can get uh, this late in the game. And I and I hear you and Levi talk about it so often. Like this Auburn secondary is going to be well above average. They're going to be good at linebacker. There's some questions on the defensive line, and they may have answered one of those with the com- uh, commit from UAB. But Derek Mason and Brian Harson, they're kind of just putting these pieces together, and it's going to be a little bit of a rebuild right here. But I like what they've got going on in the secondary. 100%. It's so deep back there, and we keep asking the question, why does Auburn keep investing so much in the defensive side of the football, whereas what you already had coming up coming back and then also coming in new with Derek Mason as your defensive coordinator you felt confident about a rebound season on the defensive side of the football for Auburn but now they've gone out there and they've added players like Dreshawn Miller from West Virginia Tony Fair from UAB Eku Leota from Northwestern and now by Darius Knighton from Southeast Missouri State some of these schools may not be some of the most prestigious football schools in the world but all of these guys were major players on their respective defenses at those universities, and they have something to contribute to this Auburn defense that I feel like is already loaded with talent and is already bringing back a substantial amount, especially in the defensive backfield that features possibly two day two guys next year. I think that that's where I've got it right now with Smoke Monday and Roger McCreary, at least as day two guys. I would not be shocked if Roger McCreary at the end of this season was able to increase his draft stock to a first rounder just because we've seen it before we've seen Noah Igbenogany able to achieve it we've seen Carlton Davis able to move up closer to that range we've seen Auburn defensive backs be able to go relatively high in the NFL draft so I would not be shocked if Roger McCreary was able to make that kind of stamp I think this is a great thing for Auburn 
to be able to bring in a player like by Darius Knight and especially considering they need some depth at safety right now when you're talking about Chris Thompson Jr. leaving the program you look at the stats for by Darius Knighton over the past four seasons he was a four-year starter at Southeast Missouri State he had over 200 tackles across that time period 222 total tackles at Southeast Missouri State three tackles for loss He had five interceptions and 21 pass deflections, including in 2018 when he had 10 pass breakups, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery as well across his four years at Southeast Missouri State. So what I see when I look at his stat line right now with those 21 pass deflections, Auburn's getting a guy that can help them out in coverage across the top, also from a nickelback position, which is an area Auburn has sorely been lacking because between Smoke Monday, Christian Tutt, and Jamie and Sherwood, Auburn didn't have the best coverage across the top. But with all the guys in the portal, no way. And I, and I mentioned when, on, when I was a guest earlier this week that Harson is going to have to hit the portal strictly for depth reasons. Alabama and Auburn are hitting the portal for two completely different reasons. But did the, is this exciting, the Auburn fan base? They want to know. I think development has been the biggest question. Since Gus Malzahn was there, it's all about development. Yeah, Auburn's going to get talented guys, and they're going to put talented guys in the league. But what about development? Is that four-star recruit going to progress as a four-star recruit should, or is he going to be a day-three draft pick in, in, in the NFL draft? And I, and I think that's key. Is Brian Harson going to be able to get, and Derek Mason as well, are they going to be able to get these transfers in a position to play over their heads? Listen, the, the recruiting services are, are right a lot of the times. No, these, these guys in the portal, they're, they're right. The 24-7s, the rivals. The ESPNs, they're right a lot of the times about these guys. Are they going to be able to get these guys that, quite frankly, weren't SEC caliber players coming out of high school? That's why they were somewhere else. Are they going to get these guys to be SEC caliber by the time they've been on campus one, two, three years and truly compete in the SEC? Because Gus Malzahn, every third or fourth year, he would have been there. But then you always saw a backtrack. Is Brian Harson going to be able to get these guys to consistently play as top-tier SEC guys? I just don't know. And the thing that I wonder about as well is, have these guys already emerged as SEC quality players? Has that development already occurred considering they are transfers? And you look at a player like by Darius Knighton, he only has one year of eligibility left. Tony Fair, only one year of eligibility left. Both graduate transfers. Maybe that development's already occurred. And although they weren't SEC quality players coming out of high school, maybe they're SEC quality players now coming out of Southeast Missouri State and UAB. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, how many guys are we talking about moving from um, FCS to FBS every year in and year out? How many of those guys that are transferring up are going to be top-tier SEC players? Unless this is a an outlier year where all these guys Auburn is getting to fill in just for purely depth reasons, unless this is an outlier year, um, I'm just going to be surprised if, if Auburn's defense goes from where it was last year, which probably wasn't horrible, and they were on the field a lot because the, the offense was truly inept last year. But are these guys going to be able to get this defense where it needs to be? Is it going to be able to stop a Georgia? Is it going to be able to stop Ole Miss? Is it going to be able to stop Alabama? Um, is it going to be able to stop Texas A&M? And Texas A&M is going to be a good team. Alabama is going to be a good team. Auburn probably plays, once again, one of the toughest schedules in the league because they do draw Georgia from the East every single year, and they still have to deal with Alabama and Texas A&M. Are these guys going to be that good? And I would just argue that they're they're down there for a reason, and I'm sure they're better than the day that they got there. 
But if these guys were SEC caliber type of dudes, man, they'd have 14 SEC offers coming out of JUCO. And I don't think they're bad players, but I don't think they're top six, top seven, top half of the SEC caliber players where Auburn is going to plug and play. And you're going to see that much of a difference, especially in year one of the, the Brian Harson era. For them to go from where they were last year, middle of the pack, to top three, top four in the league. On the other side of this break, we talk about a certain tweet from former Alabama safety and current Baltimore Ravens cornerback Marlon Humphrey. He had some not-so-kind words for the Texas A&M Aggies. We talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's a free-for-all Friday. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about in the sports world. Call in, 334-321-1390. Jeremy and I continuing on in the show. We've got Marlon Humphrey taking a shot at Texas A&M via tweets at Texas A&M athletic facilities and campus is the best I've ever seen. If I could do it again and repick a college, I still wouldn't consider them, but wow, I love it. That's great. A backhanded compliment. If I've ever seen one, am I right, Jeremy? Yeah. And I think it goes to show, especially for a lot of these guys that have been at these top tier programs. The Texas A&M is one of those. And Jimbo Fisher is a, in my opinion, top five coach in football. It's about what can get you to your goal. You know, mamas and daddies of these players aren't walking through on recruiting trips saying that this is the nicest place in the world. They're sitting around saying, is this guy going to put my son or daughter in the best situation for them to continue to reach their goals? And guys like Marlon Humphrey, guys that have been and probably had been Marlon Humphrey probably had Texas A&M and is probably in his top 10 at one point looks back and says, I'm not sure I would be at the exact same spot I am right now if I had gone to Texas A&M versus Alabama. No, that's a hometown kid, too. I mean, that's a that's a Hoover guy and, and an Alabama legacy. And Marlon Humphrey, obviously, his father um, playing at Alabama, but Bobby. But, you know, I, when you when you look at it, I, and a lot of guys that probably went to Texas A&M might wish that they went to Alabama, too, looking at how these two teams have fared over the last decade. I think it goes to show you that program prestige, and I don't want to read too far into this, especially considering it was a tweet and kind of just all in good jest. I don't know if he was just trying to absolutely smite Texas A&M here, but I think it does go to show you that maybe facilities, maybe campus lifestyle, maybe some of those other NCAA football pitches that you'd have on video games they're not as important. Program success transcends those things from time to time. Well, I mean, listen, it, this is a we've we have we have been kind of fortunate to live in the the facilities arms race over at what would you call it, Noah, since about oh five, oh six until now, the last 15, 16 years. I'd even say more recently than that. Yeah, maybe since probably since 2010, 2010 and up. I mean, I know Alabama started theirs and I think oh eight when they put on the upper decks in the end zones, but Ever since then, there's been a college football arms race, and that used to be the kicker. Like, this is the best facility. This is better. But this is better is only temporary because here comes Texas A&M, which, which is truly probably the best 
stadium when it comes to amenities in the SEC. Listen, the thing is huge. It's almost all completely brand new because they did have one of those Big 12 stadiums that had no seats in one of the end zones like Texas. And now even Texas is redoing their end zone to have a full wraparound stadium. Texas A&M probably does have the best overall football facility in, in, in the conference, but it's just so marginal now. I mean, Auburn's got the new indoor. Alabama's got, like, lay-down chairs in their lockers, and LSU did that first, and Alabama copied it and made it better, and LSU is a couple years away from a $10 million renovation in theirs. But I think you're right. It's program prestige. Alabama's, Ohio State's, I'd throw Clemson out there right now, Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, you know, program prestige weighs so much because – in the last, especially in this digital age, Alabama and these schools know they're in they're in your face nonstop. The ones that are winning are the ones they're talking about so much more. And it's kind of like back in the day, Lakers and Celtics, everybody across the country was a fan of one of those two teams because those were the ones that were playing on your television set when you were growing up. The best ones got on TV, and, and that's how it happened. For me, Texas A&M, when you win eight games a year, I don't care how nice your facilities are, that only goes so far, so I think a big part of it is program prestige. And a big part of that, though, the programs that are winning, though, what comes with that, investment into athletic facilities, not only inside the stadium, but outside of that. You look at what's happened in Alabama over the Nick Saban tenure. Massive, massive, just leaping past everybody else in college football. And they're a part of that upper echelon that really only features teams like Ohio State and Clemson, and maybe you could say A&M as well if you're Marlon Humphrey there. But you have to win at that level to really consistently recruit at the level that those two teams do or those three teams do. Auburn's trying to join that race with a new facility. Something else that I want to take this conversation in a direction at because there's a new factor that all of these programs have to consider now it's name image and likeness and it appears with the program that Alabama willed out a week or so ago and Auburn still trying to figure out and formulate theirs we heard about that at their ambush event earlier this week Alabama appears to be ahead of Auburn in that category yeah listen Greg Burns the best athletics director in in college athletics and and uh, it's proven it's a fact I think he runs that place better than anybody else in the country runs their athletics program and they were sitting on ready when the bill went across K. Ivey's desk in the 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 college across the state uh, they weren't and Alabama as soon as it's as soon as it's put out there they had a plan in place to say we know this is coming this is what's coming down the funnel and as soon as it's done we're putting our plan out there and listen this is going to change college athletics overall some states have had this for maybe half a year already. I think California or Arizona, one of those states, was the first one out west to, to really put this NIL out. But Alabama was sitting on ready for ways that their school, that their university can teach financial literacy, number one, but set their athletes up for success when they leave those doors. And, and Alabama, they're probably the most forward-thinking when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And, uh, and they hit the nail on the head. They were sitting on ready. They got it out there. And now a lot of schools around the country, especially for states that haven't had this passed, they're, they're, they're falling behind the wayside. I think it was the 10 states now that have passed an NIL bill. And it was very important for the state of Alabama to do it because of how football crazy this place is and how we put our athletes on such a pedestal, and maybe rightfully so. But Greg Byrne in Alabama, they were sitting on ready, and they kind of come out smelling like roses over the last two weeks, about a week since this was passed. 
We got a caller on the line with us now. We're going to head over to the phone lines. Once again, you can join in on this free-for-all Friday, 334-321-1390. That's how you call in. And we've got Eugene on the line with us. Eugene, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. I Listen, I just, I, I'm just all over this COVID stuff with, like, putting people in different places in the stadium. Do you think that's actually going to happen in college football this year? I mean, Jordan-Hare Stadium, my goodness, and Bryant-Denny Stadium, I mean, they're so dang big. I just can't imagine people just being in segregated places on in the stadium. I mean, what do you think about that? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Well, Eugene, I think that we're on the fast track to having capacity stadiums, especially what the CDC brought out yesterday, saying that vaccinated individuals can – now not have to worry about social distancing or wearing a mask so i think we're definitely on the fast track to having stadiums that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying we didn't have to have the president coming out and telling us that we didn't have to wear it out in the public i mean it's just ridiculous let's go eugene i'm all on board with you baby Uh, who was waiting on the cdc to tell you that if you've had all your vaccines that you you still have to wear a mask inside i think most reasonable americans were probably thinking the other way I know. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I think it's absolutely nuts. And I just hope that that come time for football season, it's just going to be a okay when we get out into the stadium. God, God bless you. Doing a fantastic job. Love listening to your show. That was Eugene on the line with us once again. If you want to join in on Free for All Friday, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. That's how you can call in. Thank you to Eugene yet again. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we're on the fast track to stadiums at full capacity this upcoming fall it seems like everybody's planning for that well i mean i think a lot of ad's and alan green and greg Byrne are two smart individuals you don't get to make it to that spot if you're not they're looking at the bottom line though and they're saying we just did a year at 25 percent capacity we got a budget it costs money to operate this bad boy and d1 football especially in the sec is a big deal it accounts for a lot of your revenue it supports a lot of your other sports Uh, The stadiums are going to have to be full or they're going to have to figure something else out. And that's either cutting sports. That's either cutting salaries. And I know a a couple coaches in this state that probably ain't, ain't giving up a salary, uh, taking a salary cut right now. And Nick Saban and Brian Harson, listen, they're, they're going to want their money for the jobs that they're doing. The stadiums are going to have to be full. And with the rate that people are being vaccinated, whether you're pro vaccine or not, I mean, it looks like stadiums are going to be at a hundred percent as burn and Alan green have already come out and said, on the other side of this break, we're going to talk with Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast, get his thoughts on by Darius Knighton, as well as some other things happening in the league and with the Auburn Tigers. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama, as well as you're able to watch it on Facebook. Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama and ESPN 106.7. As promised, we got Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast on the line with us now here on this free-for-all Friday. Zach, how you doing, my man? Man, I am doing well. I don't think I've ever been on a Friday, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited about this. That's right. I'm excited to have you on as well. And we've got some exciting news in the Auburn sphere. Tigers land another grad transfer 
to make it to this week if I'm not missing anybody. Auburn lands Southeast Missouri State transfer by Darius Knighton to nickelback slash safety. What does this add to the Auburn defensive backfield? I think it adds a little bit of depth. I mean, obviously, the departure of Chris Thompson surprised a lot of people, or at least it surprised me. It sounds like it surprised you based on the, you know, the few conversations that you and I've had about it. And I think it gives you a little bit more depth there. I mean, outside of that, I don't know what else it, uh, what else it really brings. I'd love to know what the recruiting pitch was for him because he was definitely very interested in Auburn. They, they offered him two days ago, and then he turned around quickly and said, yeah, I, I want to be an Auburn Tiger, which is, which is great, which is great for Brian Harson's staff. But I wonder how he fits in. And with the whole one year left of eligibility, I think this situation is totally different than the Tony Fair situation from earlier in the week that you alluded to. Of course, the, the grad transfer defensive tackle from UAB because I think you can look at Tony Fair's track record and in his, you know, his trajectory, you know, as far as getting to the next level, I think it makes a whole lot of sense for Tony Fair. But, you know, for a guy like Knighton, I don't know if he's going to be able to put enough tape on the field in one season to kind of make that next step, assuming that is his goal is to get to the next level and use that last year to really put some impressive stuff on tape. Because, he was competing at a high level, you know, the Ohio Valley Conference. It seems like there's always three or four guys drafted out of there every single year as the NFL draft is uh, kind of known for getting deeper and deeper with some of these players. So I wonder what the conversation was like between Auburn's coaching staff and him. Was he promised anything? What did they pitch to him as his role? I, I can't imagine that they said, hey, you're going to you know, you're gonna play over 50% of the snaps on defense. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, it, it, it's tough to really evaluate a guy like that from our perspective. You and I were talking about this before, Noah, earlier today at the station. But it's like everything I can find on him is just highlights. So, I mean, when you when you type in Knighton into YouTube or even go to his huddle page, like it's all really, really impressive plays. He really high points the ball, and he, he makes good – you know, I, I think he looks like a ball hawk in the middle of the field and has a lot of range, has good first step, but – we're only really able to see the good things. So it's interesting to think about what kind of player this guy is, but I think he has depth in the safety position, and I think they'll also look at him as a nickel player. What could this mean, and this is something that I've brought up to you off-air, could this be a factor in the recruitment of Donovan Kaufman, the Vanderbilt transfer that was going to, what we assumed, slot in at safety if he were to commit to Auburn? I wonder, because Auburn didn't offer Knighton until – a couple of days ago, or yesterday, yeah. actually, I wonder if maybe Auburn got some extra news on the Kaufman front, and they decided, hey, let's go after Bidarius Knighton instead. I could be wrong on that. I have no inside information, but I just wanted to get your thoughts. Well, you could it have a factor, and the answer is it could. I mean, absolutely. Does it? If I had to bet, I would say no, but it, it certainly is interesting to have that conversation when you, when you talk about it, because Kaufman, you know, the, the, the transfer from Vanderbilt sounds like he has a really good relationship with Derek Mason, and it sounds like it'd be a really, really good fit for, for the Tigers. And a lot of people linked the uh, departure of Thompson earlier the, this offseason to Kaufman coming in and possibly, you know, him getting buried on the depth chart a little bit. So I don't know. I, the answer to your question is yes. I think now the question that you have to ask is, 
is there any legitimacy to it? Because it is kind of interesting. I mean, we've been told that Kaufman could announce that he's coming to Auburn any day now for, like, weeks at this point. So did the coaching staff get nervous? I mean, I could see Brian Harson saying, like, okay, like, we've made it very clear that we want you, like, but, you know, if you want to keep dragging your feet, whatever, we're going to move on without you. I mean, Harson strikes me as that kind of coach. It's like, I'm going to win with guys that really, really, really want to be here. I mean, it sounds like for weeks it's been either Kaufman going to Auburn or Kaufman going to Texas. Uh, that seems to be the other one. But could it have an impact? Sure. I, I don't think it's going to, though. Moving on to the other grad transfer that is coming to the Plains that we found out earlier this week, UAB grad transfer, nose tackle, Tony Fair. Just from keeping up with what's going on with your podcast, it appears that you really like this move and you really like what this coaching staff is doing in the transfer portal. Everything that I see about Tony Fair, I love every single bit of it. Uh, right now, I think he's the backup to Tyron Truesdale, but I'm not sold that Truesdale is better than him. Both of those guys, super seniors. They bring so much experience to a relatively young room. I think if you take Truesdale out and you take Fair out of that defensive line room, they're extremely young. They're all guys that joined the team last year. Very, very talented dudes. But outside of that, it's like, okay, you know, you, you got some super seniors. So I think uh, I, I love it. He's got a great first step. He moves very well for somebody over 300 pounds. And he's got experience. Um is it at the SEC level? No, and I think folks that want to poke at it, and I know there's fan bases that definitely want to poke at Auburn having to go to you know the likes of UAB to get some of these transfers. I think um, I, I think that's a fair case, but I really like what Fair brings, and everything I've seen about him is great. He sounds like an absolute professional. You know, you can uh, you can go on YouTube and find some of the interviews with him. He's uh, I mean he's he's fun to listen to. I think Auburn fans are going to really really like this guy. And he's moving to Auburn. You know, he's he's already got a family. He's got a fiance, and he's got a he's got a, a a child. And I think with this one year, this business decision, it sounds like it sounds like Fair was really impressed with Easton, and you know that that decade experience that he has coaching defensive line at the next level. Because Fair is coming to Auburn to put things on tape against higher levels of competition and say, hey, NFL, I can be an early down defensive player at the next level. And, and I think he's going to put enough on tape to get drafted. I really do. I'm very, very high on this decision. I, I'm all in on Tony Fair. We haven't seen Auburn invest a whole lot into the offensive side of the transfer portal. Why might Auburn be going after defensive player after defensive player after defensive player, investing so much into that side of the football? Yeah, you know, we played a game a few weeks ago. We were just kind of assuming Auburn could take seven uh, transfers over the course of the offseason. We're like, if you had to guess, what positions do you think Auburn's going to bring in? And a lot of it was offensive heavy. When you know, I, I did that game, and I also had a few of my guests do it as well. We were like, receiver, maybe two tackles, a quarterback, a running back, and then defensive lineman and maybe a defensive back. And so they've done the defensive lineman and the defensive back. Um, I think they're going to do another defensive back with Kaufman. But surely the rest of them will be on the offensive side of the ball. That's where the biggest weaknesses are. Unless they're just really happy with the tackles, I don't know how they could be. Surely they'd want to bring in guys for competition purposes. And I think they're concerned at quarterback. I think they're really concerned at quarterback with guys behind Bo Nix. I mean, we've only seen glimpses of Grant Lloyd, but 
No, I mean, do you feel comfortable with this offense if something happens to Bo Nix? Because I certainly don't. No, let's just keep it at glimpses of Grant Loy. I, I don't want to have <laughs> sure. to look at that for too long. That's more of a, it, yeah, I, I got to look away, right? <laughs> he, he's got great hair, um, but I think the list of greatness stops there. No offense to Grant Loy. And, you know, it sounds like he's a great teammate. It sounds like he's really good in the locker room. It sounds like he's really good in the film room. But, I mean, once again, we saw glimpses of it at A-Day. He's just not a guy that, that has – a cannon for an arm. Uh, the arm strength isn't there, as well as the accuracy. It's just not there. I mean, he's not a guy that you want to be your number one quarterback in the SEC. No offense to him. It's just the way it is. Well, speaking about quarterbacks then, T.J. Finley says Auburn is a factor, the LSU now transfer quarterback in the yeah. transfer portal. What do you make of that? What does that even mean? Yeah, what does that mean? And it's interesting. In the Auburn undercover story, I believe Keith Niebuhr wrote it, there's also a quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about, you know, they don't really have a whole lot after Bo. But, you know, if I went there, the, you know, they believe that I can, you know, go in and compete for the job. And I'm like, did they tell him that? Did Coach Harson tell him that? Because if so, like, wow, that's telling. And I understand you got to kind of tell the kid whatever it takes to get him on campus, but that blew me away. It's like, did that actually come up in conversation that he come in and, and compete for the starting job against Bo. I mean, that would be that'd be interesting. And then, you know, if if Auburn's able to get a guy like Finley, what does that do for the path to playing time for D. Davis? I think it pretty much shovels it closed. And so then does he transfer next offseason? It'd be a really, really interesting move if Finley chooses to go to Auburn. And I, I put out the question on Locked on Auburn Socials last night. If Finley comes to Auburn, could he compete for the job? And it's amazing. I mean, the, the fan base is pretty split on this based on, you know, the, the sample size that I received. Some people said no, and then some people said, ah, I mean, you got to give them a look. So I, I, the, the story here is when they are going out and trying to get transfer quarterbacks, it sounds like in the conversations with them, they are telling these guys, hey, you can come in and compete for the starting job. And I think that's great for Bo Nix if they bring in a guy like Finley. You know, a guy that has starting experience in the SEC, started five games last year for LSU. It'd be crazy. That would really, really heat up fall camp. Zach, we appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us for today's show. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcast. Of course, when you're not listening to On the Line with uh, with Noah and the guys, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Z Blackerby. No, you have a great weekend, buddy. You as well, my man. We appreciate it. All right, see you soon. That was Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast. We'll be back to wrap up hour number one on the other side of this break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's a free-for-all Friday. If you want to call in, talk to us about anything in the sports world, 334-321-1390. That'll be how you get on the line. And we do have a caller. We got Trill on the line with us. Trill, how you doing today, my man? Well, I'm doing all right. See, the horses starting pulling in people from places I've never heard of before. And all of Gus's good boys are leaving out the program. I, 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 I've been better, I guess. You've never heard of Southeast Missouri State? 
Well, I, no, not at all. I, don't, <laughs> I had to do my Google, but that's about it. I, I only know what conference that is. And, and, and to be fair, I, I actually don't even really know where Southeast Missouri State is located. I just know that it's in Southeast Missouri, or at least I can only assume. But I do know that they're in the Ohio Valley Conference, and you're talking about by Darius Knighton, the guy who just recently transferred to Auburn or announced his decision to transfer to Auburn. You don't like this one, Trill? I don't know much about the feller. I mean, ain't no film much about on him. And, you know, you, you hear these people coming from these places you never heard of before, and, and some of these top recruits Gus brought in. You know, I didn't really agree with Auburn letting Gus go, and Harson's bringing in these fellers that, you know, you can't even pick out the place out on the map. I, no, I, I just don't feel good about it. I called y'all show a couple months ago, and I was worried about this same situation. I said, now, is Carson going to keep up the recruiting? Is he going to keep in bringing in the players that, that Gus brought in? Because I didn't agree with them letting Gus go. And so far, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly disappointed. And I, I had to call and let you guys know that. Well, that sounds good, Trill. Anything else you got going on? Not at all. Just still a little picking up down in Greensboro. Uh, have some couple storms come through a little while ago. I looked out my window, and I could have swore I saw a steer float by. I don't know if you fellas seen the movie Twister. A I might steer. be dating myself, but uh, yeah, other than that, everything's going good. Doctor's still giving me a good checkup. Just trying to stop the message board. Well, uh, I hope you, uh, I hope you stay well, and I hope no more, I hope no more steers, and I hope no more twisters come blowing through. We want you to stay in Greensboro. We don't want it to be a uh, Toto. We're not in Kansas anymore. I hope you're doing well, man. Appreciate it, y'all. Y'all talk up harsh and do what you got to do. Tell him we got to get some better boys in there. That was Trill on the line with us. We appreciate it, my man. Once again, free-for-all Friday. Anybody that wants to call in, 334-321-1390. That's how you can get on the line with us. Jeremy, you take that one away. Auburn folks, there there is a sector out there that's not too happy about where some of these players are hailing from, whether it be Southeast Missouri State, UAB, some of these other smaller schools, and then also the three-star freshmen that we've seen brought in. But I think it's a little too early for folks to be pressing the panic button. I think Auburn's just going out and getting what's available. I, I, I think they're looking to their left, and no other Auburn fans are looking to the right, and they see that, okay, Alabama's doing what they're doing, and LSU finishes third in the country in recruiting, and Georgia finishes fourth or fifth, and or second, maybe Ohio State's up there, and they finish seventh in the SEC in the middle of the pack, and they lose a lot of guys to the portal. And now they're bringing in guys where you're saying, okay, they'll be on the roster, but there's no way this guy is better than the guy on the other six teams that are ahead of Auburn in recruiting. I mean, there's, I, I, I'm not trying to say Auburn fans are starting to put this puzzle together, but they're putting it together and they're looking down and they're saying, oh man, this isn't a great puzzle once it's completed. Like, we need some better pieces. I don't know. I'm just looking around and saying, like, what is this going to do? And I didn't think this was going to be a massive rebuild. Like, you look at Gus Malzahn's 2019 class, his 2020 class. You look at talent. You had Bo Nix, a five-star quarterback. And now, and I enjoyed that segment with Blackerby. He's saying that somewhere in a quote in an article somewhere that TJ Finley is mentioning that he could come in and compete for the job if he chooses Auburn. And now you're saying... Well, I mean, this looks like it went from, okay, I'm Brian Harson. I can come in. I can actually have some, maybe a good year under my belt to get things going in recruiting. Now you're saying, I'm not so sure that that's even possible. Is Brian Harson going to be able to beat out Ed O, Jimbo Fisher, Kirby Smart, Alabama? You're talking, you're talking four losses right off the bat. 
Does Lane Kiffin slip up and beat him? How does Auburn fare? And, and who are they playing to open up the year, Noah? Well, they open up the year against Akron, but you know. Yeah, but they, who's their big non-conference? Penn State. They play. I mean, they play Penn State, who had a really bad year last year. But you're trying to you're starting to look at it and say, oh boy, we needed some key playmakers out of the portal, and we're just getting role players. We're getting guys to to make the sideline look bigger. I don't know, man. I think I think the the reality for a lot of Auburn fans is starting to to sink in and say, this might be another 2020. This might be another 2000 and uh, 2011, 2012 type of year. I would I don't go know. as far as to say 2012. Maybe maybe another 2020. Well, Tw- yeah, maybe 2020 wasn't it when you look at statistically and everything. I mean, it wasn't much better than 2011. Now 2012 is a stretch. Don't get me wrong, but. I think reality starting to set in and saying, well, this, this 2021 season is going to be a tough one, especially if we can't get Bo Nix to be improved. And if TJ Finley beats him out, who was barely a top 400 quarterback coming out of high school, uh, it, it could be a lot of trouble. I have two things on that. I don't buy for a second that TJ Finley can come here and win the job over Bo Nix. B, I don't, I don't buy for a second that that is actually – legitimate not that the quote or not that Auburn maybe had said that to him I'm I'm not in the game of judging whether or not that was actually said what I'm trying to point out is that may not be Auburn's intentions in bringing in TJ Finley to actually legitimately win the job they might be bringing him in to try and push Bo Nix and give him a little bit of competition and then knowing that there's no drawbacks to that because even if TJ Finley somehow beats out Bo Nix well then TJ Finley's the best guy in the room, and you got someone better than what you had. If he doesn't beat out Bo Nix, then you have a better backup than what you have currently on the roster. Because TJ Finley, although the small sample size that we have, there were some good, there were also some bad. He lost his job at LSU. Now he's trying to look for a different home. I definitely don't think he's great, but he's definitely better than Grant Loy. So I don't see any issues to T.J. Finley coming to Auburn, but I don't believe for a second that it's to actually compete for the starting job. It's an illusion. T.J. Finley may think he's competing, but it may be really just to get Bo Nix somebody to push him a little bit. I mean, are are we to believe that Bo Nix is better than T.J. Finley? I think so. I think so. Uh, You you give T.J. Finley Auburn's team last year, Auburn does not win six games. Okay, maybe we can agree on that. I don't think T.J. Finley's going to Auburn. I don't think he can beat out Bo Nix. I think he's going to go somewhere that he can play, and it's probably not going to be a spot where he actually wants to land. I think he's a little, probably a little better than he thinks he is. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm looking back on Trill's call, and I'm looking up and down the recruiting, and the guys, Noah, um, I'm just I'm trying to see this through the lens of an Auburn fan. And while you're always going to have the sunshine pumpers, you're always going to have the people that are optimistic and optimism is great. But what about what's real? And Auburn's going to have a pretty good defensive secondary. We've already talked about it, but what can, who can they land? And there's not many other guys out there. Like what can they do to put together a, a pretty solid roster this year? I, I don't know. I think I think Auburn fans are starting to hit the hit the panic button a little bit on on the amount of talent that they have compared uh, to their counterparts in the league. I have a counterpoint here, or, or not really to that. I, I definitely think that you look at Jamison Williams coming to Alabama from Ohio State, and then you look at Auburn bringing in from UAB and Southeast Missouri State. I get that, 
the area that I want to go here is Auburn fans should be encouraged by Brian Hartson's discernment so far on the planes. He is looking at this roster up and down, and guys that were good enough for Malzahn, he's saying are not good enough for me, and I think that that is a positive note moving into the Brian Harson era because he's trying to do better and he's trying to improve the program. And we should talk about that more on the other side of this break. That's it for hour number one. We'll have hour number two coming up in just a few moments. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Garner and Jeremy Law with you for the Friday edition of the show on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also on Facebook, on Fox Sports Central Alabama, ESPN 106.7 and Radio Alabama Sports Facebook pages. Starting off hour number two on the phone lines, it's a free-for-all Friday. Anybody call in, talk to us about anything on your mind in the sports world, 334-321-1390. We got Travis on the line with us. Travis, what's up, my man? Free-for-all Travis Fridays. How you doing, Noah? I'm doing good, Travis. What's on your mind, bud? Man, I really I hope – I, I, want, I want to agree with the guy that called last segment. I – I hope that Harson knows what he's doing because a lot of the guys that are leaving, I know that high school rankings can be deceiving, but you're talking about top 100 guys leaving the program and bringing in guys from SEMO and UAB. You know, I really, I really hope that he understands that you can't play in the toughest division in college football with Boise State top talent. Hey, I understand that point 100%, and my only response to it is, is that we're just going to have to wait and see because that we've seen articles written about Brian Harson, namely the Tom Green article on AL.com, which I found interesting and I enjoyed reading it about the quarterbacks and his ability and his eye for talent at the quarterback position. He recruited Trey Lance. He recruited Zach Wilson, had Zach Wilson committed before he decided to stay in the state of Utah. And I understand Folks wanting to poke fun at that as well, just saying like, well, he didn't actually get him to come. I get that. I'm just saying I, I think he knows a thing or two about talent and bringing in talent that fits his system and his culture. And the big thing is he hasn't even coached a game of football yet at Jordan-Harris Stadium That's that counts for anything. Then maybe we owe him just a season just to see how all of these guys shake out, right? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll be patient, but, you know, at the same time, you can offer every five-star in the country, but if you can't land none of them, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you're bringing in guys from SEMO and, and, and UAB, and Alabama's getting, you know, some, some guys from Ohio State and then, you know, probably one of the best linebackers in the country. And uh, if you're going to keep up with him, TJ Stanley isn't the answer either. And, you know, he's more of a mental midget than Bo Nix is. And, you know, it's – as far as Bo Nix goes and his development, guys, he's had a quarterback coach at his own dinner table for the last 20 years. So if he hasn't learned how to play the position by now, is he ever going to? 
Is this the same Travis that joked on my name a couple weeks ago, Noah? I've had a bone <laughs> with this guy for a couple weeks. It, it, it I've listened be. to that podcast. J-Lo, I was hoping not even talk to that bammer. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> what, what, am I, no, Travis, hold on. I don't know what this beef is, but am I saying anything when I call him that, about Auburn that's not, like, realistic? I mean, the last caller, Trill, he's worried about recruiting. You're worried about recruiting. I mean, are you hitting the panic button? Or are you willing to give – Brian Harson, two, three, four years to see if he can win with three stars. I mean, what, uh, what am I saying that's wrong? He's got he he's gonna have two years, and I guarantee you that he beats Alabama one out of the next two years. I don't think it'll be this year, but I bet you next year he does. With with who? With Bo Nix? Like with Bo I mean, Nix? Yeah, he, I mean, he's, I, he's gonna get his receiver transfer. That's that's the problem. Auburn's got to go get receiver guys. Their defense is going to be one of the best in the SEC this year. And you have some of those guys come back. Hit the transfer portal again. Alabama is loaded in the state of recruiting next year. And so you get some of those guys to believe in Auburn, and then they come in. It's an entirely different ball game in the state of Alabama. I, I think you're a little – I think you're a tad off base trap. I'm just looking at – the. I'm forecasting Yeah, but you're just here. a bammer up, Dyke. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. I'm just saying – I mean – I, I get it, but if this if this trend continues, you cannot you cannot tell me that Brian Harston is going to compete with Kirby, Nick, um, even Lane Kiffin at this point. I don't, I just don't see it. Well, speaking of trend, Alabama's coach is going to be seventy years old. You think he's going to coach another five six years? I mean, he, he ain't going to live forever. For he ain't the bionic man. He's got a new hip. Got a new hip. You better hope he gets a new heart. He ain't going to last forever. And then whenever he does. <laughs> Brian Harson is going to be at Auburn for he's going to establish himself. He's going to establish his recruiting base, and the tide's going to turn in the state. I promise you, Travis. I love I love the 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 encouragement now though the the belief in Brian Harson though the 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 tide has really turned though on this call because you came in a little came in a little worried and now we're, now the tide's going to turn. Am I right? Well, I mean the 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 Bammers, they they just they've had so much success that they think that they have free reign to say anything they want and. And, you know, sometimes you just got to shut them down. <laughs> well, Travis, I appreciate you taking the time to call in today. Hope you're having a good Thank weekend, you. bud. War Eagle, J-Lo. War Eagle. <laughs> J-Lo, that was it. Travis, I, I appreciate the call. But, Noah, listen, that, that Travis uh, Travis started out his call in worry. And I, I agree there is hope. Like, you do, at this point, you have to go all in and think and believe and, and, and say – that that Brian Harson is going to be the answer. He's your coach. He signed a contract. You're paying a big buyout. He's going to have five years in Auburn most likely. But you have to admit as well, Noah, the trend is going to have to change. And it might change next year. There's a lot of kids, as Travis mentioned. Listen, I don't know the difference between Travis and Trill, but it looks like Travis knows his stuff when he talks about recruiting. Next year's in-state class is loaded. A lot of those guys are Alabama leans right now. Can Harson turn the tide on that, as Travis just said? I don't know. But the trend is going to have to change. It's not going to have to change just to beat Alabama. It's going to have to to change to not be middle of the pack in the SEC because that's the direction that Auburn is heading right now, especially with that horrible class that Brian Harson was actually able to save last year from where Gus Malzahn had it. They're going to have to do a 180 right here to get back to the tops of the SEC. We got another caller on the line with us now. We've got Dan in Auburn here on the line with us. Dan, what's on your mind, my man? Uh, not much. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we should panic at all because 
some of these guys you're bringing in, just like the guy that committed today, and yeah, one of the callers said they hadn't seen any video or anything, but I did watch the video. And the guy's a four-year starter, has 277 tackles, and if you watch his video, he looks pretty darn good. Now, it may not be the same competition, but you can tell when a player has ability. So, you know, if you're bringing in some guys that are older, that you know, that, that have played a lot of ball, you know, they're going to help the team. I, I don't, I don't think it's just a a guy that's going to ride the bench. I, I think these are guys that could potentially start, but. You know, fortunately, you know, even though I'm glad we did have a uh, coaching change, you know, Gus did recruit pretty well. So most of our starters are in place. And if we pick up a few guys that, that can push those guys or maybe, you know, take some spots, then, then that's great. You know, but I don't think I – mean, look, this is a team that's got a lot of talent on it. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, you can't tell me the Tony Fair you – know, I mean, that's a big dude in the middle that, that, that moved a lot of people. You know, for, yeah, it's from UAB, but you know what? There are guys that make it into the, the NFL from these small schools, and you're wondering, where, how did that guy come through, you know? So I, I don't think you can just assume that just because you're coming from a smaller school that these guys are just bad players and we're just grasping for straws. I, I don't believe that that's the case. I'm with you. And the big, the big thing that I was trying to say at the end of hour number one was that I, I think Auburn fans should be encouraged right now by Brian Harson's discernment and that he's okay with letting some of he's okay with trimming a little bit of the fat. He's okay with letting some of these guys go to the transfer portal. That's encouraging to me because players that might have been good enough for Gus Malzahn, where there wasn't a whole lot of competition, it felt like where guys didn't have to look over their shoulder for their job. It didn't feel like there was a whole lot of pushback with guys that maybe weren't performing. A whole lot of accountability. There's accountability now. And, and and for me, that's encouraging that they're willing to bring in some new guys that maybe fit the culture a little bit better, may not be high profile, but they, they, they definitely have played at a high level at their respective locations, and they want to come in and, and play hard for Harson. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, look, we never want to lose a four-star guy like Chris, Chris Thompson or something like that, but but he wasn't – it didn't look like he was going to be a starter, and, and, and maybe he was in the two deep, hopefully, but I mean, I, I like the guy, and the guy had a lot of talent, but – you know, if he feels like he can go somewhere and start, you know, you can't blame him. But I would be just as happy having a guy that started at safety for four years. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like a guy that's – I mean, he's definitely going to know what he's doing. You know, he's definitely going to have, have – have, you know, it's not going to be a guy whose eyes are going to be real wide the first time he steps on the field, you know. I mean, I think we're just trying to bridge the gap a little bit with some veteran players to kind of help, you know, in some spots maybe where our younger guys might not be ready to, you know, start right away. But, you know, I mean, it just, I think we got to just sit back and just let it play out. But I, I still think that, that we're on track. And, and, you know, that with the portal now, it's, it's a totally different world. You know, you never know. You might be better off getting, you know, a guy who started for three years for a small school than getting a freshman or, or a high school kid that you're hoping turns out good. You know, not all of them turn out good. You know, a lot of them turn out to, to just disappear. So, you know, at least you know these, some of these players have actually played a lot and done something. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Appreciate Dan, it, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Dan, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you, but I'm also going to play a law of averages here. There's not many Trey Lances going from North Dakota State to the NFL. I mean, there's been there two. <laughs> well, I mean, well, and then and listen, Carson Wentz, you could make the argument that he's the – and, we, and, and the, 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 you know, the jury's still out on, on Trey Lance. But all I'm saying is – the law of averages would tell you that these probably aren't going to be, and they could be. I'm telling you, they could be outliers. These aren't going to be absolute SEC stunts. And I don't think that they're on the roster just to fill the sideline. I think they plan on Tony Fair playing. I think 
Knighton adds some some depth in that defensive secondary. And, and, and I'm also with Dan on you got to give Harson some time to bring in his guys. And But it's going to have to come. No, I think my point is, and I think you heard it from Trill and Travis, it's going to have to come sooner rather than later, like this very next recruiting class. And because you, you know what, Noah, you can fall behind very, very quickly in this league. And we were talking about um, facilities earlier. You could fall behind there. You could fall behind quickly. One or two years of talent, and you're in a lot of trouble. Well, it's this foundational recruiting class, right? Like, this is the recruiting class that he's supposed to build around in order to generate a successful tenure at Auburn. If he's going to have any type of longevity, you're 100% right. It's all about this recruiting class right here, right now. Not the one that just signed in 2021, the one that's going to sign in 2022. Correct. Absolutely. So I'm not saying to put all your eggs in this basket, but you're gonna you're gonna have to they're gonna have to land probably five of the top eight in-state guys to rally some some guys that truly care about the Auburn program in Auburn out of this next recruiting class. And then Brian Harson's gonna have to go national. And we don't know if he has the ability to keep up with these programs that are recruiting national. And and Gus Malzahn actually did an okay job, and I think you would agree. With catching with with keeping up with the Kardashian show to say he kept up with Kirby and Nick and, and Jimbo and Ryan Day and Dabo. He had a consistent kind of top ten recruiting class right now. Brian Harson's gonna have to do the same to be competitive. I, I think he probably can do it. I think Auburn's a name brand, but it, it's gonna have to come sooner rather than later. We're gonna head to the phone lines yet again. Now we've got Hootie on the line with us. Hootie, how you doing on your Friday? I'm all right. It's I like it when it's this cooled off, it feels better. <laughs> that's right that's right it's it's definitely going to be heating back up it felt like fall yesterday for some spring high school football oh yeah like, it sure was got a question for you go for it who would you rather have last year on playing for auburn matt jones a three-star or bo nicks the five-star yeah i mean if we're if we're talking about matt jones the guy who threw for you know more than 3,500 yards and was in the Heisman conversation. If he plays like that at Auburn, of course I'd rather take Mac Jones. Yeah. That's why I can't understand it. Bo's a five-star. Did y'all ever listen to Auburn on TV last year? Every game, the court, the announcers kept saying, man, he's, he, his feet, no, that's not the wrong way you do it. They're always complaining about how he, his mechanics are. Yeah, and, and my thing is, and I and I have a hard time when, when, when people say, who would you rather take and trying to take guys out of their situations. Matt Jones is a great quarterback, and I think he's going to work out in the NFL, and I think he went to a great situation in the NFL. The thing that scares me when we, when we go into those hypotheticals is Matt Jones is playing behind one of the best offensive lines in the country with two first-round wide receivers. Bo Nix is playing with a wide receiver that got drafted in the third round, a wide receiver that got drafted in the sixth round, and someone that didn't get drafted, and his offensive line's abysmal too. I think that's got a little bit to do with it with Bo Nix through his first yeah, two years, well, right? Yeah, oh, but you, you never will know what's going to you know, You know, we'll figure it out. And, uh, and, and on top of well, that, it hasn't Mac helped. Jones, to, Mac Jones has Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Uh, Gus Malzahn's coaching Bo Nix with uh, Chad Morris, who is a washed-up coach, and he's coaching high school football now, I believe. I mean, there's two totally different situations right there, Hootie, but it's a good call because I think if you put Bo Nix in Tuscaloosa under Steve Sarkeesian, 
um, for a couple years. I think Bo Nix could work his way into uh, a drafted quarterback. Right now, that that's not that's so far off the table with what he's well, dealing with in Auburn. Colin Cowherd said Monday, Tuesday, he said he said Bo Nix is a good quarterback, but he's no NFL prospect. Correct. <laughs> he ain't gonna make it in the NFL. At Pinson Valley, Bo Nix was bigger, faster, and stronger than everybody in the, everybody else on the field. He's a great athlete, and he shows you, I think, that he is a really good athlete at Auburn. He gets out of more tackles than anybody I've seen. He scrambles for a lot of yards. Yeah, that's has, like I, I guess Alabama. Oh, he had three good plays, but that's all it was. He ran for, what, 39 yards for a first down. Yeah. He had he had Jalen Hurts syndrome. Jalen Hurts first two years at Alabama. It's rolled to the right. If it's not there, I'm not sure what to do. Throw it away or run out of bounds. And that's what Bo Nix has done for the, for essentially all of last year and a lot of his freshman year. And it hasn't gotten any better. And I think that's what concerned Auburn fans the most for Bo Nix is you didn't see any progression from freshman year to sophomore year. And now you've been in college for two years. Is that going to change as you're an upperclassman? I think that's the question that's still out there. That Finley guy from LSU, I kind of liked him. See, and I have a problem with Finley coming in because Finley was the quarterback who started against Auburn in the LSU game, and he got eaten alive. Well, Alabama did. Alabama only time put pressure on him was usually on third down, and then they didn't do it that often. They just sat back and let him throw the ball. And he, and he played Alabama right that. before he played Auburn. And, and um, he, he played Alabama right before he played Auburn. I kind of wonder if his success in the Alabama game was because they hadn't seen him before, hadn't been prepared for him, because he, he stepped in there for, for Miles Brennan, who went out just prior to that ball game. Oh, that what it was. Okay. I, I said, you know, I, I, I looked at him and I said, dang, he reminds me of somebody from way back. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, he, he, was, he, wasn't, you know, he wasn't a bad quarterback. He looked good in the Alabama game, and then he looked horrible against Auburn. So I kind of have reservations there, and I also kind of wonder why uh, why LSU doesn't want him, why he's the guy who's already leaving during that quarterback battle. I wonder if uh, if LSU's scraps are, are really uh, the best the best thing for Auburn at this point. But who do you... well, they said the other other quarterback they had was much better, but he didn't he didn't do he didn't do no better against Alabama either. Yeah, that's right. That's right. LSU's in a tough spot, too, when you're talking about quarterbacks. They, I think they would take Bo Nix about right now. But, uh, Hootie, we got to head to a break now. All I right. appreciate you taking the time to call Thanks, us. Hootie. All right. Bye-bye. That was Hootie on the line with us here on this free-for-all Friday. Anybody that wants to call in, take the time to call in. 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. We're going to head to a break now. Now's a good time to call in. I'm taking your calls here on On the Line. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama on this free-for-all Friday. What that means is call in, talk to us about whatever is on your mind. It's fair game in the sports world. 334-321-1390. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you. We're taking your calls. Jeremy, I want to go back to the TJ Finley discussion. I feel like we haven't been able to amply discuss this yet. I'm not buying into this. I am not believing that TJ Finley is a legitimate candidate, A, to come into Auburn and be a quarterback candidate, and B, I, I don't even really buy that he's coming to Auburn. Why, why would you say that Auburn is a factor? What does that even mean? That it, like, is he, it, like, that, that's just so not descriptive at all. Quarterbacks that are like, or not even just quarterbacks, recruits that are interested in going to a university, they don't say, yeah, they're a factor. They say, yeah, they're pushing for me hard right now. I really like the school. They say something positive other than just, yeah, they're a factor. 
Well, I don't know about that, no, but what I have learned is that this Auburn fan base is not sold on Bo Nix. Some like T.J. Finley. Some like to at least bring in some competition to see if we can find a better quarterback. Um, uh, I don't know. I've been impressed by the amount of calls here about everything going on in Auburn from recruiting to T.J. Finley to Bo Nix. Um, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to go to Auburn. I don't think he's better than Bo Nix. I don't think he will play at Auburn. So why would a guy who has started games at LSU – transfer to a place where he's going to have to compete for a starting job. And listen, I know everybody competes, but you know, when, when you transfer to a school and they, and they court you, you feel like you're going to have a legitimate chance to start. And I just don't think that's realistic for TJ Finley um, at, at, at Auburn. And the last caller, Hootie, I think he compared, compared him to Cam Newton, maybe. Um, I don't, that's, that's a stretch. <laughs> Obviously Cam Newton's one of only the best in size alone, six foot exactly. six, two forty two. Cam Newton's one of the best athletes to ever come through college football. Make no mistake about it. So that's not, that's a stretch, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, you're kind of seeing the two sides here. Auburn's just it, it, very split right now. Look, let's go through TJ Finley's stats last year at LSU. 57.1 completion percentage, 941 total yards, 6.7 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, five interceptions, took seven sacks. On the ground, he had 29 attempts, 34 yards for a whopping 1.2 yards per carry and a touchdown. Is this what you want, Auburn fans? Because you already know the guy's not as good of a rusher as Bo Nix, and the guy's definitely not as good of a passer as Bo Nix. You put T.J. Finley behind that Auburn offensive line last year, it, it's, a, it's a worse product. Auburn does not win six games last year. I know Bo Nix hasn't been great against the good teams, but he has at least shown you flashes of what he could be if he was able to at least generate some sort of consistency. I think this coaching staff is going to be able to tap into that. Brian Hartson's got a great track record with quarterbacks not only able to find them and recruit them and develop them, not just at Boise State, but at other stops across college football like Texas. I like his track record. Same with Bobo. Bobo's got a great track record with quarterbacks. I think folks just need to pump the brakes. We haven't even seen Harson inside Jordan-Hare Stadium coaching in a football game that matters yet. Man, I agree with that also, man. I, I, I think it's okay. Everybody needs to make a decision. Everybody wants to rush to judgment. Everybody wants to say Bo Nix is done and Brian Harson can't recruit. You might be right, you might not be, but why do we have to come to a consensus right now? Why do we need to know right now? Brian Harson's entering his first year. We know this coaching search was a mess. They probably didn't land their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh guy that they wanted, but they hired Brian Harson as a coach. Half the fan base is in, half the fan base is still out. Why not just get behind him and, and, and see how it's going to go? And I think nobody in college football has done a better job of getting behind coaches than Auburn and, and just being – a family and pushing the program. And I think that it's time to let it all of it go, hit the reset button with what you have right now and get behind and roll out there and see what they can do. Also, I have to bring back up. I'm confused as to why Auburn fans, after seeing TJ Finley play against Auburn, why they would want him to don an Auburn Jersey after that was by far one of his worst games. You look at what he did. He was 13 for 24 for 143 yards no touchdowns, two picks, took two sacks, had five rushes for minus two yards. Worst game of the season for him by far. And I, I, I just don't know how you get there if, for, for an Auburn fan and say, oh, yeah, I, I want that guy to come and play for me. I think people need to worry about getting behind Bo Nix right now and worry about rooting for him 
to perform the best to his ability because after Bo Nix right now, there's not a whole lot on this depth chart for him. Uh, I'm terrified if Bo Nix goes down with an injury. Abysmal year if Bo Nix were to go down with an injury. Folks should be getting behind him right now and hoping that he can can really improve as a quarterback. I just don't feel like there's been a whole lot out there, though, to really support the narrative that Auburn's going to be moving on from him this offseason. I know that here and there you see articles where Auburn could be going after a guy in a transfer portal. I know there was the guy from Oregon, Shuck, that people wanted to see Auburn go after. That was really where you started to see the narrative. But then we got into spring, and it was all quiet, and now you leave spring, and T.J. Finley's name comes up and saying that Auburn is a factor and people are going wild again. And I think people just need to pump the brakes. I don't think that there's any danger to Bo Nix's job security whatsoever at the quarterback position at Auburn. I don't think his job is in jeopardy either, but he is going to have to show some signs of improvement. But it's also in a year that now, if you're Brian Harson, you go out and you can go recruit a five-star quarterback, and it's okay to have it on campus. Like Coming in this year, if they would have landed a big-time transfer QB, that does put a lot of pressure on Bo Nix, even if you didn't expect him to play off the bat. But Bo Nix is going into his junior season. His junior year will be over once the 2022 class comes in. It is time for Auburn to go out, find the next quarterback on the Plains, and get him ready. And he can sit behind Bo Nix for a year and play as a sophomore the following year or get some real reps as a freshman. But listen, this is Bo Nix's job. He's not losing his job. There's nobody worthy on the roster that would be able to take his spot anyways. It's time to just give Bo Nix a rest and and see what he can do this year under a coach that does have somewhat of a track record of of good quarterbacks and you can say that's in the mountain west uh, i think that's a quality argument say bobos is in the sec though yeah and listen and it is but what where's what's mike bobo been doing for the last four or five i don't know where's he been colorado state and south carolina which i don't charge south carolina to him because he was only there for a year but he was at colorado state for a nice little stint yeah you know my, but he went from being a top tier sec coordinator to to Colorado State and now I mean, he's where he's at now he's trying to rejuvenate his career you're not wrong I mean when it, when everybody's when everybody says what has he been doing lately I'm like oh, I have no good response for that I know where he was it's been since 2012 that he's been a hot commodity in college football and I'm not saying that my Bobo can't get it done but you just got to get behind Bo Nix right now and, and see how it goes that's all we've had some callers call today I've, listen I've been called an updike I've I think I got called <laughs> J-Lo I've been I don't know but I, I'm more on the Bo Nix Auburn train and think that they can be better than a lot of what Auburn fans think they can be this year. And I, I think we talk about that off the air a lot. I think Auburn can be a eight and four team and actually compete in some of these big games. If Brian Harson is a coach that a lot of the people think he is. Yeah. I've been banging that drum saying that Auburn is at least an eight and four team this upcoming year in college football. I believe that firmly. When you look at the schedule, Jeremy, we got to call it real quick. Take it away. What else is going on in the league right now? Well, I mean, as we stick right here to the Auburn talk, as a lot of people know, we're doing this via Skype. So, and you don't think you even have a producer back at the studio today? But listen, a lot going on in the league. These teams are the teams are lobbying for spots in the transfer portal, and um, it, this is a new age of college football. The NIL laws keep rolling out. We've already talked a little bit about. Uh, how Alabama's ahead of all there, but let's take a break here. We'll be back with more of On the Line right here on Fox Sports Central Alabama at ESPN 1067.
Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on for this free-for-all Friday on On the Line. We got another caller. If you want to call in and be a part of free-for-all Friday, it's 334-321-1390. And joining us on the line, we got Andrew. Andrew, what's up, my man? What's going on? Uh, how you doing? We're doing great here on the show. What's on your mind? Man, not a whole lot. Just listening in to some of these callers and then, you know, looking at the transfers coming in this week. I got a couple questions. Let's let's pop the brakes on the, the TJ Finley thing. I mean, kind of like you discussed in the last segment. What what did he do that, that makes you want him to come to Auburn uh, and get ahead of Bo Nix? I mean, and if I'm missing something, I mean, what class is he? Um, would he even be eligible to, to start? And it all depends, too, on what the SEC does. Like, if he transferred to Auburn, the SEC currently still has its rule where if you transfer inside the conference, you still need a waiver or permission from the school that you're transferring from in order to be able to play. Of course, the NCAA has its rule where guys are immediately eligible, but the conference's rules still overtake that if you transfer inside the league. So he could still even need a waiver right now if you were to transfer to Auburn. But I do say, I will say this, most people expect the SEC to get rid of that rule too. So at any point, it'll be a free-for-all once guys start pinballing around the league. But I'm with you. I'm I'm, I'm not too excited about when, when I saw T.J. Finley said Auburn was a factor, I was like, and? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's just kind of where I'm at. Nothing excites me about him. You know, I'm, I'm still on the Bo Nick train. Um, he, we've had two rough years out of him, but the thing that, you you know, there, there's two things that really uh, excite me about him. You, do you guys remember that picture that surfaced after the 2010 National Championship? I do. He the one, the the one with Bo Nix, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the kid loves Auburn. There's no denying that. So he's got a heart for Auburn. He wants it. Got a new offense coordinator in there. I think that's really going to help him develop. And then the second thing, and, and I'm probably going to get some flack for this, but um, last year, you know, in the Iron Bowl, we were down a couple touchdowns. Um, but couple. he had a um, – well, he, he had a first down. And uh, when he got up, he signaled with his hand a first down. I don't know if you guys caught that. But, I mean, the guy's got heart. He's down a couple touchdowns and still fighting. You know, you, that's something you can't coach. He loves Auburn. Um, we need to get over this T.J. Finley stuff and, you know, move forward. Bo is our guy. He's going to be our guy. His legs, his mobility, um, his accuracy is going to improve. Um, so, you know, we just need to put this T.J. Finley um, talk to, to rest, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm and I'm with you on that too. I don't know how Auburn folks couldn't be excited about Bo Nix's running ability, especially if this coaching staff can tap into it. He's one of the most exciting players in this league at the quarterback position when he can get going with his legs. I think back to the Texas A&M touchdown. He looked like he should have been wearing an Aggies jersey and wearing number two on it to be a, to to go alongside exactly. that. It looked a little bit like Johnny Manziel. Right, right, and and I mean, you know, these transfers that are coming in, they don't really bother me that much because. The secondary is going to be so good this year. I mean, I know I've heard you, you know, talk about the secondary, but they're, you know, I agree. I think they're going to be one of the best uh, units in the secondary, if not the best, uh, in the SEC. And, um, you know, 
I'm not too concerned about the defensive side of the ball. And we've got our, our star running back coming back. So uh, if Bo can get it together, man, the sky's the limit. I'd like to know. I was looking at the schedule last night, and I see at a minimum of nine wins out of Harson's first year. So, you know, he's, he's getting a lot of flack for these transfers, but, you know, I'm, I'm counting the schedule, and, you know, I, I don't see us losing to Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, I think we're going to sneak one out at A&M. So that's, that's just my opinion. What do you think as, as, a, as a limit on the wins this year? I've been banging the drum and saying at least eight, and, and that would even be, you know, I, I, I look at the 50-50 games for Auburn, and I think about A&M, LSU, and Penn State, and I've been more bullish than most people are, but I've been saying, you know, I, I don't see any reason why Auburn couldn't take two out of three there, mainly because I'm really down on I'm really down on LSU compared to maybe maybe most people think that they're going to have a bounce back year this year, but I I just don't think they have a quarterback right now. I don't think anybody's shown the ability to take them past what they were last year, and I don't I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Ed Orgeron to help them out in that area either, but. You know, I mean, you look at the schedule, I see two games that I would deem, I don't like to say they're unwinnable because they're Auburn's rivals, but, you know, two games that I'll say are automatic losses for me, and that's Georgia and Alabama. And then after that, going, you know, if you split your 50-50 games against teams like A&M, LSU, and Penn State, you end up 8-4 and four at least. I don't see any reason why Auburn can't do it. Right. No, I agree with you. I think it's uh, it's going to be a better year than, than people, especially a couple of the callers today are, are acting like it's going to be so – I'm excited, man. Ready for some fall football. That's right, and, and unfortunately, we got we got too long. I'm counting down the days till SEC media days. But Andrew, I appreciate you taking the time to call in, man. Don't be a stranger. Yeah, awesome show. This is my first time calling. I'll be calling back and touching base with you, man. War Eagle. Appreciate it, Andrew. War Eagle to you as well, Jeremy. Thoughts on that? I know you were trying to uh, jump I in. Had to, I had to let him get off the phone. Did we really just? <laughs> I'm sorry, did somebody just call and talk about Auburn being down four touchdowns and Bonex gives the first down no, signal? No, 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 come on. And that's why he's going to be the 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 star QB? No, 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 come on. Look, I, that's not his point. His point is that, like, Bonex still plays hard, and I was actually about to make that point as well. Bonex does still play hard, and, and, and I think back to in that Iron Bowl, and I was thinking about this play specifically when he was saying this, there was a play where he had to run all the way back into his end zone, and then he still ended up scrambling for a first down. And I'm not, I'm not sure if that's what he was referring to in that situation. But, look, no matter how bad things looked for Auburn last year, Bo Nix was still laying his body all on the line. And I think that's what he was getting to there. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with him on that. I think Bo Nix plays hard. I think he, could be, I think he should be commended for that. I, that's not the point. It's that you, you haven't. That is not, that is not the criteria for for being a, a quarterback that's going to lead you to where you need to go. Like I, you can tell, you got to tell me the guy throws with accuracy, which he doesn't. He has good footwork, which he doesn't. Knows how to get, make some plays out of the pocket, he does, but he also runs out of bounds a lot, seven yards behind the line. I, I just, I just listened to the call. I recognized the call, Andrew. Um, maybe a little biased as an Auburn fan, but I, I just don't. You know, I agree with it. T.J. Finley is not the answer at quarterback for Auburn. You give Bo Nix a chance here. I think Bo Nix loves Auburn. I think he's exactly where he needs to be. But it's only a matter of time before the same way they turned on Gus. And Bo Nix is going to have to get it rolling this year. Yep. He's going to have to get it rolling this year. Or I'll, at least Brian Harson with no choice. 
adding to what you just said about actual on the field quarterback ability, being able to throw with accuracy, having good footwork, things like that, the mechanics side of things. If you do couple, if you do get those things going, and if this coaching staff can develop him in that way, and you couple that with his love for Auburn, and you couple that with his heart on the football field, you could get something special. And we've seen that in an Auburn uniform before. I agree. But uh, I, I, th- I think loving Auburn and giving a lot of effort. If you went out on the field, Auburn, I, no, I know you love Auburn. If Brian Harson, if Brian Harson dressed It'd you out, there's no doubt that you would give 150%. Without, no a, without a doubt. I get my head knocked off though. 10 out of 10. You would die, you would die for that university. And I know you would, <laughs> but that does not translate to Auburn leaving that field victorious. Yeah. You don't want me a quarterback. You don't want me a I like quarterback. I played quarterback for my caller. intramural team though. I did. And I was a, I was a, I was an option quarterback, my man. I was running the ball. But I, I could not throw to save my life. You do not want there. There's footage out me of the out there of me trying to throw a football in an intramural game, and it, it's not it's not pretty mechanics. Now I could run with the best of them. Throwing the ball, no way. I, I thought Andrew was the most reasonable caller. We've had some off the wall today. <laughs> I thought that was a very good reasonable call, and I and I respect it, and I see exactly where he's coming from. T.J. Findlay, a topic of conversation here on On the Line today. I want to make a counterpoint here, too, about T.J. Findlay and, and, and spin this in a way where it could be positive, though, because I think this is going to get some narrative uh, some narrative attention throughout the week as he said that he was a factor at Auburn or Auburn was a factor in his recruitment in the transfer portal. What if he does come to Auburn? Well, let's say he does beat out Bo Nix for the starting job. Well, then Bo Nix wasn't good enough to be the starter at Auburn. And then you improved at least at the quarterback position. If he doesn't win the job, I do think you got better depth behind Bo Nix. I think he's better than some of the guys behind him. I don't know if he's better than Demetrius Davis, mainly because we haven't seen Demetrius Davis play in a regular season college football game yet, and he's a four-star recruit. and could be just as good as, as TJ Finley, if not better. But you at least get depth that's better than Grant Loy, so I think that that could be construed as a positive. And then if Bo Nix wins the job, like I said, and T.J. Finley ends up being your backup, I think maybe you generated some competition, a shot in the arm, if you will, for Bo Nix during this offseason and into fall camp to maybe help progress him along in his development. I don't see negatives in him coming to Auburn. I'm not that interested. I'm not heartbroken if T.J. Finley comes to Auburn, and I'm not wishing for him to I'm not wishing for him to come to Auburn or anything like that and I'm not heartbroken if he doesn't come to Auburn but I could see some positives if he decided to come to the Plains I don't think it's a I don't think it's a negative I just don't know if it's uh, something that I'm overly interested in well you shouldn't be and listen we apologize for the non-stop talk here about Auburn and Bo Nix, but this is the story today I think this is a bigger story than Knighton that TJ Finley tells the press that some people think that he could go in and compete for the Auburn job. This is a huge story. And he says that Auburn is definitely a factor in his recruitment. You're talking about a guy that started games for LSU. My point is, this guy has no chance of being better than Bo Nick. So how real is this? But you also got to, and you're right about competition. And Andrew said it, you know, I don't think Bo Nix is in jeopardy of losing his job, even if TJ Finley takes it. But somebody's got to push Bo Nix, and competition makes everybody better. There's none behind him. None. There's nothing behind Bo Nix that tells Bo Nix that he might not be the quarterback. On the other side of this break, we'll talk a little bit about the NFL schedule reveal. Who could make the playoffs that didn't make it last year? Who could miss the playoffs from last season and make it this year? All that and more on On the Line. 
On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Last segment of the week here on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Great content there. You can keep up with Auburn and Alabama baseball as well as the other sports inside those programs. High school content as well. Once again, RadioAlabamaSports.net. Jeremy, it's been a hype show today, my man. We've definitely brought in the callers on our free-for-all Friday, and the phone lines are still open, 334-321-1390, if you want to squeeze in here for our last segment. Jeremy, it's been a hype show, my man. It's been a fun show. I've enjoyed doing it. I thought we've had some good calls today. I, I'm, I'm still perplexed by the last one. It, it, I just feel like... Is the is the he loves his school the most overused thing in rec- like when you're talking about on the field play, like is is Bo Nix Rudy? I think it matters. Like, is he Rudy? Well, definitely it, not. Like, Rudy Rudy only played one time. People chanting like Bo, 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 but just because he loves Auburn the way Rudy loved. Him, I did, I'm just saying like is Bo. It, this is the SEC, babe. This is the entryway into the NFL outside of Ohio State, Texas, and and a couple more major universities. This is a Southeastern Conference. The best guys get on the field. So I think Bo Nix is that at the Auburn quarterback room. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I'm trying to say. Like the be- the best players win the game. The best the best teams. How how many times do you say the best teams don't win? Maybe I say they win 95 percent of the time. The better team probably wins in college football. Yeah, and I mean, look. But I'll say this too. People are I think are so harsh on Bo Nix as a quarterback. Because you look at the guy, he has still won games. Now, he hasn't won the big one, but he did beat Alabama. Now, granted, we'll talk, you know, you talk about the 2019 Iron Bowl, and of course, you know, there were two pick sixes and a doink and blah, 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 blah. Yes, that was a great game, and there were some crazy things that happened, but he still delivered in that football game and made some good plays and some good throws and didn't lose the game for Auburn either at that. Outside of that one, has he won the big one? He beat Oregon and he beat Alabama. That's it. He really hasn't beaten anything. He hasn't really won anything of note up to this point. I get that. He's lost both of his bowl games. He hasn't, and against, you know, you know, kind of towards the top of the Big Ten, but still not your best Big Ten talent in Minnesota and Northwestern, not your traditional powers, right? But has he won the big one? Other than that Alabama and Oregon game, no. But, I mean, he has won those two games, and he has won more times than he's lost. I know that that sounds really defeatist almost. But I, I, the, circumstance have, the circumstances have not been the best for him through his first couple of years. Two different offensive coordinators, two different signal callers through his first two years, two completely different offensive lines. And now going into year number three, it's a different receiving core and a completely different head coach. Three different coordinators in three years, three different signal callers in three years. This isn't Baker Mayfield of the NFL. Bo Nix has dealt with incredible adversity through his first couple of years. I think people probably just need to pump the brakes a little bit, not be so harsh. Give the guy a shot because I think under the circumstances he's been in at this point, he has performed amicably and enough to give me hope that he, he could transfer some of that potential that he's shown us into actual talent and real solid W's on the schedule against good football teams. 
I, th- I think the ceiling for Bo Nix is is still up there. I mean, but you got Tua had three coordinators while he was at Alabama. Did J- didn't Jalen Hurts as well? I mean, like these. Those are two different co- things, though. Alabama, are, uh, look at all the players around him. Well, I've had four callers call in and tell me that Gus Malzahn recruited very well. I mean, like, what side of the coin are we on? I can't help that Auburn sported a three-star defensive tackle at, at offensive guard <laughs> last year. And, and left tackle. Don't, don't saying, forget like, about the, the whole left side of the line me, was three-star defensive tackles. I've had Trill and Travis call me and tell me that Gus Malzahn recruited well. But then you go back and say that Bo Nix wasn't good because of the players on the field under Gus Malzahn. I cannot have it both ways. And I'm not saying Bo Nix is not good. I think Bo Nix could have a good year. I think Brian Harson, as I mentioned earlier, is a good coach. I think Mike Bobo is going to be a good offensive coordinator. But you, you just can't have it both ways. And I, I think that Auburn's going to be improved. I, uh, Andrew said that nine wins minimum. Uh, I'd say eight wins minimum. That I've been saying say that. Eight. I hold to that. I'd say I'm going through them. Like, you beat Akron. You beat Bama State. Penn State? Eh. Georgia State win. LSU? I think that's more, way more of a 50-50 game than you think. Georgia L. Arkansas? Sam Pittman's got it going better, but they're not beating Auburn. Lane Kiffin? Tricky. At A&M? Loss. Mississippi State? Win. South Carolina? Win. Alabama? Well, we know. We know what that's <laughs> going to look like. So you got Auburn with five losses if you if you said Auburn loses to LSU. I think that's a 50-50. And I think eight and four looks way better than seven and five. I agree with that, especially if you get a bowl win. way I look at it is there's two games on the schedule that I say are automatic L's when I look at it, and that's Alabama and Georgia. A&M and LSU right now are trying to figure out what's going to go on at quarterback. A&M is going to start someone who has virtually no collegiate experience LSU is going to play two guys that that they've got two guys right now that looking at their collegiate experience doesn't say a whole bunch. Penn State is the LSU of the Big Ten subpar year. Have they really improved throughout the offseason? What gives you confidence that they are going to take a major step forward this next season? Of course, you like their head coach a lot more than Ed Orgeron, and it doesn't help that that game's in Happy Valley. But when I look at talent, I see that Auburn recruits in the same tier as A&M and LSU. They've got just as much talent as those guys on the roster. I see no reason why Auburn can't go into those locations, especially if they can figure out the offense before those two teams do. I see no reason why Auburn can't go there and at least split in those games. And I think it's more likely that Auburn beats LSU and Baton Rouge than Auburn beating Texas A&M at College Station. But I'm not so I, I, you know I'm not going to sit here and say that those are losses i'm not gonna sit here and say that those are automatic l's and i and i think there are auburn fans out there who are saying that they are and if that's the case i think you all have all of a sudden have to throw into consideration that auburn might lose more than just those games they could lose to an old miss who could put up points and you're expecting them to be able to put up points they could lose to penn state on the road for me i'm erring on the side that auburn is going to improve this year under this new coaching staff rather than falter I, I I think this year's a wash for Harson. He's going to get a pass no matter what. You'd love to see improvement. You'd love to see Bo Nix get better. You would, I mean, but this is a wash. And we're talking about this LSU game. Well, LSU's had a top five recruiting class the last three years. I know they, they're they questioning at quarterback, and that's the end-all, be-all. But when I look up and down this Auburn schedule, I'm seeing eight and four, seven and five. The Penn State game's going to be tough, although they had a rough year. Uh, but listen, you cannot put your stock you can't put your stock in this year for Brian Horse. I think he's been left with a mess, especially in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They're just going to 
you're just going to have to wait and see. And I don't think Auburn, I think Auburn fans are tired of waiting. And I think that's what's going to hurt Brian Harson a little bit. You had the success since 2013. You made it to another SEC title game in 16, 17, whatever year that was. But you're tired of waiting. Auburn's trying to get back up there. And I just don't know how long the Auburn fan base is going to be behind Bo Nix and how long they're going to give Brian Harson to sit to before they start heating his seat up. I'm not saying the administration will. I'm saying they'll heat his seat. Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time here on On the Line with me today. It's been an absolute blast. That's it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back on Monday. Same time, same place. The Drive with Bill Cameron following us. We'll see you on Monday. You know where to find us.